0: Hi, my name is Steve Stewart. I'm the CEO of QC Copper & Gold. Pleasure to be back here talking to Crux about our not only our our resource update that we uh, gave everybody uh, a preview on uh, last month, but we're here now after we've raised substantial capital. We have got $18 million in the bank, well over $30 million in working capital, and we're looking to put that to work. Stephen,
1: good to have you on our sunny shores. How are you?
0: Pleasure to be here. What are you over here for? Uh, I'm over here for the one-to-one and, of course, to come see you face-to-face the first time ever.
1: And and, and say,
0: I told you so. There'll be a little bit of that one. No, there? I don't want to do that. <laughs>
1: I know want I do that. You knew what I was going to do. So. I knew, it, I knew it. Well, like okay, you're at one to one conference. Kind of, you know, it's a good conference here in the UK, one of the better ones. Um, are you here to meet specific people or strategics, or is it just shareholders more broadly?
0: Well, a little, a little bit of everything really. It's my first time at one to one, but it's something I've always wanted to come and check out because it's a really efficient use of my yeah. time as it's, it's active as opposed to sort of passive in these conferences. Mm. Uh, my schedule is totally full. Uh, I would say mostly with uh, fund managers, Uh, some of them who came in in the recent financing, which we closed, uh, but a whole lot of new people who are interested in our story, especially now that uh, the resource came out, we're on the map. Now that we're well capitalized,
1: people are interested. So what's happening in Canada? Because you've got so many Canadian companies like traipsing over to Europe in the hope of finding money, whether it be fund managers, retail, high net worth funding, etc. Have people in Canada kind of burned out from the the investing in the commodities space, or is that just precious metals at the moment?
0: No, I don't think so, I don't think so at all. I think it's just about expanding our shareholder base. Uh, you know, the, the core of our shareholders is clearly in Canada, but when the opportunity comes, like a conference like this, to come in here and, and use two days effectively, we'll, we'll get out there and introduce yourself. We're not looking to raise money, this is sort of a non-deal experience for us, but it's, uh, we're still a new company. As of September 20th of this year, nobody really knew us. Very few, I should say. So so now we're out. We've got this big, almost 2 billion pounds of copper resource in the middle of Quebec with all this great infrastructure. Um, we've got a huge amount of, of cash, which we're looking to deploy and we're currently drilling right now. So people are curious, especially when it, you check the copper box, which is incredibly relevant in in the electrification and the green energy metal space. And I think Europe is is even more so, sort of, you know, you, you're the continent, if you will, on the island here are ahead of the curve and adopting yeah. those types of policies. So it's- it's,
1: so it's, about liqui- it's about liquidity.
0: Oh, of course. I mean, that's what it is. We, we actually have decent liquidity, but we want more.
1: Right, and do you trot down uh, south into the U.S. for the same. And just what I'm trying to get, help people with is trying to understand what the pressures on you are as a CEO of a junior explorer, where you've got to one constantly looking for money. It takes time, constantly trying to ensure sure the liquidity is still there, and the fact that you can't necessarily always get it domestically. So you need to do you need to expend money and time and effort to do these road trips.
0: Well. The last sort of two years has been unique, where mm. I haven't had to go down to the U.S. because for all intents and purposes, you couldn't. And so that opened up new opportunities, which have become you know, de facto standard, which is the product that you offer, which is hugely advantageous to me because I don't have to travel and see all these investors. I get wide distribution. So that's you know, incredibly efficient and effective. However, nothing beats face-to-face looking at the whites of the eyes. And so I'm very thrilled to be back here. Uh, in London, and do and, and sort of get back to that, but also leverage you know products like like you
1: offer and others. So, um, well, it's about efficiency? Isn't it efficiency of capital deployed, and efficiency of time? Because I think for for us previously before COVID came along and so sort of changed the landscape somewhat, we saw companies that were doing ten different uh, conferences a year in different countries, meeting the same people, having the same conversation, expecting a different outcome, and it never arrived. So, I. We will talk about your, your your project in a second. But I'm intrigued by your thought process. You've been quite tight with your money in terms of you know how you deploy it, where you spend it, right? Do you think that companies are going to there's going to be a kind of combination of what went before and the new landscape of you know digital outreach, or do you think people will revert to type?
0: No, there's no question. Digital is here to stay, and I think that will grow. However, I think there will be a hybrid because again, you need to get face to face. People can't develop this trust. Hmm. personal relationship, you know, vis-a-vis Zoom. You know, Mm -hmm. they can get to know you, but I think uh, in order for them to trust trust you, they have to sort of see you and meet you. And it's not just once, it's multiple times. So you can't just go out to Europe or Switzerland or New York or wherever and expect them to write Mm -hmm. checks instantly. It's about constant communication. It's about stating what you were gonna do or intend on doing. And then coming back six months, a year later, and then saying you've, you've accomplished said goals. And that's how trust is developed.
1: Okay. And, and talking of which, come on, let's, let's do the I told you so moment. I, I, I dug you out a little bit about money is going to be a bit tight for Junior Explorers at the moment. You said, no, it's not. And then you have gone to raise a big chunk of change. So where did it come from? What's it for?
0: So we, we did two financing uh, elements since we last spoke. Uh, the first was, you know, a, a vanilla um, super flow through charity deal where we did a 60 cent financing off the back of a 34 cent stock. It's almost mm-hmm. unfair. That Quebec companies are allowed to do that, but hey, you know, we're take advantage of that. So that's a massive premium, uh, very little dilution relative to the money we took in. We took in just under, I think it was seven point nine. Let's round it up, eight million bucks. Of that financing, it was brokered. It was led by Cormark. Great to have uh, a dealer like that, you know, high uh, you know, high end dealer supporting us. So we're now officially an institutional story. So that was significant. And my favorite financing. Was us unloading seven million shares of baseload energy after it made its discovery. So baseload, as you know, you know yeah. James, huge success. Um, you know, nearly hundred million dollar market cap now. We made a discovery, and then about two weeks later, um, we sold eight million dollars worth of shares in the open market. With mm-hmm. uh, QC Copper had eighteen million shares. Uh, it sold seven, and now it still retains eleven million shares on our balance sheet. So with that, that gave us our eighteen million dollars in cash plus. The working capital figure, which is, you know, in addition to 11 million shares, which is at about twenty, buck thirty, we're well over 30
1: million. It's interesting, actually. You've got to get that balance right, haven't you? You can't sell too many of the base load shares, or you're going to cause them problems It's one of your portfolio mm-hmm. companies. And but at the same time, you need cheap money to do what you want to do because you're starting to what well, you're starting a program here. So you got to, did you do that in con, uh, conjunction consultation with James or I know you're chairman James, and cetera but
0: James is in it every step of the way and is supportive I mean he knows that we uh, made that investment to ultimately monetize it now you're right I have a fiduciary responsibility I'm a large shareholder baseloader I'm the founder of the company so um, it was about selling that opportunistically which I think we did we we arranged it was it was a it was off-market transaction so it's not that we're sitting there you know constantly on the bid it was done by a, a very well-known uh, dealer who we have a relationship with and they sold it mostly to existing shareholders you know so it was it was kind of a, a perfectly the stars aligned on that particular okay. situation and, and if you look at baseload it didn't suffer at all it made the announcement it traded flat so that was great okay. news and then we got eight million dollars um you know in the bank no dilution I mean, and, and we paid, you know, when I say we, I mean, QC Copper ultimately spun that position off in baseload at less than a million dollars. And, and, and that was a value of a property that wasn't our core property, which is still in baseload. So it was, a, it was a home run transaction for QC Copper uh, shareholders. And when the time is right, they can expect us to monetize the balance of that 11 million shares. In consultation? Well, of course. I mean, you know, I'm partners with James, you know. And you know we're going to find a solution that works for everybody. So, so, but at the end of the day, you, you know, it. It's 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 QC Copper's investment, and so you know I have a, you know the primary responsibility is to QC Copper to monetize that for their benefit.
1: Uh, absolutely, but I guess the two things going on with base loaders. One, you don't necessarily want this massive overhang with the threat of you know it being dumped at some random point in time. So that, 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 that's, that's never a concern. It's never right. going
0: to be dumped. It's going to be managed effectively, right. just like I did that time. So expect transactions like that. I get it. And then
1: the second component is, obviously, Uranium's on a run. It's mm-hmm. it's hot at the moment. So there's also, for your shareholders, QC copper shareholders, there's some upside further down the line. So again, that's, that's what I'm saying. I'm always interested in that arbitrage. There and how you. How you well, I think
0: that. I think the story of baseload is just beginning. You're right. Uranium is hot, and you know these trends don't last forever. However, we just made a discovery, a significant discovery, on the doorstep of another another Australian company, Ninety Two Energy, who made yeah. a discovery 450 meters away from us. This is a big system. Uh, Baseload just did a financing itself. It's got well over $20 million in cash. So a ton of cash. It's going to have, in the coming days, weeks, James is going to be announcing a significant program there. Mm -hmm. Three rigs starting in in January. As soon as the the ground is frozen, we'll be out there. We'll be drilling this thing out. We think we can get a resource off, Mm -hmm. off the back of this first drill program, what we think. So I think there's a huge up. I mean, if, if uranium stays status quo or even goes to where, you know, some of the stratospheres what some of the, the online experts are, are suspecting, look, that could be, you know, the, the fact that we did it at a buck twenty twenty five or whatever we sold it at, maybe, you know, I don't want to speculate, but there's significant upside there. I believe in uranium. I believe in James Sykes. And I'm thrilled that he made a discovery on the first drill program.
1: Right. Back to Casey Copper. Yes. What are you doing with that money? Putting it in the ground. Dang um, what
0: though? So we're drilling right now. I just got back from site um, three, four days ago, I was up there with Charles and our whole team. Um, Looking at the core, we hit some nice mineralization. We're focused uh this. We got we got a drill program plan between now and the end of the year, sort of setting up um, the bigger, more robust program that's going to happen in 2022. So right now we're, we're focused on sort of lower hanging fruit, which is particularly in the saddle zone, which is an area mm-hmm. that, that produced a lot of mineralization for us in the September resource. So yeah. there's ex, ex, uh, some expansion potential there um, on the eastern zone, which is the, the east side of the pit where we can expand it there. That's uh, that's an area of focus for this program. And uh, so we'll we'll wrap that up. In the coming weeks, you can expect us to announce the more robust 2022 program, which is something on the order of 75,000 meters. So big, big program, multi-rigs take us all year. Um, there's no question that's going to uh, add a lot of tons, pounds, mm. whatever you want to call it. This resource is getting bigger than than what it right, is.
1: Right. So, so let's talk, let's talk about that. Remind people. I know we've had this conversation a few times, right? But now you've got the money in place, you can actually, you know, make firmer decisions about how you move this thing forward. To what end are you doing this? You know, what's the end game here? I'm just sure, for people, perhaps new uh, shareholders, perhaps people new to this mm-hmm. story. Just remind people how this thing moves through the phases. For you, because you've got, you've got. I'm going we'll talk about it at the end. You've got a portfolio of companies here, and you're going to take them to various stages. But when each of them start getting to a certain size, you're going to be stretched. You're going to need to either bring people in, or you may have a different plan. So, what, what what's the plan for QC? Well, we have people in. Um, but, but 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 more. You know, you need different absolutely, skillset. and we are. And, and, people, and you right? know, let's
0: talk about QC and, and, and growing our team right there. Um, you know, that's that's a paramount goal for us right now. We're laying the foundations to build a mine. We think we have a mine today with September twentieth resource, out, but no, because it's not. We know it's bigger, right. so we just have to define it. So I think it would be a disservice to our shareholders to start the engineering and economics on something that we know very clearly is getting bigger. We see it in the data. You know, don't forget it's not we're not flying blind here we're leveraging the huge database we received from Falcon bridge okay so that's that's the backbone mm-hmm. of this resource which we confirmed and which we expanded upon so we see it and if you go in our presentation you'll see what's constrained in the pit and that's the only thing we're talking about that's the two billion pounds yep. but you can clearly see mineralization outside the pit shell and other areas so yep. that's going to be the the the, the near term low-hanging fruit area of focus, which we're gonna be twinning, we're gonna be expanding, we know what's there. Yeah. So it's just about defining it in the 43101 regime and, and, and coming out with a, an updated resource, which we will do. Then, beyond that, it's more blue sky, okay? So there's, there's a lot of mineralization through that whole you know, trend, the Gwilum Fault, which is the control, mineralized structure in the region which controls the whole district of Shibugumu, which is just totally pregnant with mines. And we've got 13 kilometers of it. Uh, most of it has not been, uh, well, almost none of it has been explored in the context of an open pit, okay? And so all the resource I've been talking about is only two out of the four mines on what was the Opomiska, the Springer and the Perry. We have not um, even drilled or modeled, effect or properly yet, the the Cook and the robotai mines, which are about a kilometer and a half away, mm-hmm. so there's this six-kilometer corridor, mm-hmm. which is about 500 meters wide, that that we're going to be exploring in the 75,000, maybe even 100,000 meters. So it's it's really about exhausting the geologic potential of that corridor, uh, particularly you know near-surface material because that's what we really want. Is we don't want stuff at depth. We want stuff you know near surface to add to the the. The near term economics.
1: Right. So, and the, the reason you do it that way, and I know it's kind of a Canadian thing, drill to the edge of the envelope, right? Australians like to get into production a bit earlier because they want to get the revenue flowing, right? But for you guys, you're, you're choosing that path because the the people who will be funding this, right? You're, you're good at going out and getting money. The people who are going to be funding the next phase of this are going to need to start to see scale because. Cop- copper, and we've got some gold credits in there too. But copper is something that is usually gets value when it's got scale. So, can you? What, what do you know about what you need to say to the financiers to get them excited?
0: Well, I think they are excited, but you know, again, we just don't want to- excited
1: enough to give you money now. Yeah, right? well, we don't
0: want the money now. We wouldn't take it. I, we've had offers. Call it private equity. Um, Companies come in and say, look, we'll write you the check now to take this thing to production. We say, you know, thank you, but no thank you. We're not ready yet. There's too much value too much value to be realized mm-hmm. for us to be sort of putting a pin in, in it today. Mm-hmm. Um, we see optionality. We see growth. So, uh, you know, we don't want external forces telling us how to um, develop this, you know, because it's, it's really it's a shareholder's deposit at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we clearly have access to capital. We have access to capital. Our balance sheet, I know when the time is right, when we want more money at a lower cost you know, that's there. So we're not focused on building it today. We're focused on getting it bigger to get to that scale. Again, I repeat, if we, if, if we didn't find another ounce or pound of copper, we believe we have the scale to build a mine today because we benefit from the infrastructure, the, the rail, the road, the power. And I, I emphasize the power. Quebec's got the cheapest power in Canada, five cent a kilowatt hour and the kicker, it's green. it's it's hydroelectric. So this is, you know, copper is a green metal and we're going to be producing it with the cheapest, greenest energy around. So this, this checks all the boxes. It has the scale. We're, we're fishing. We have the opportunity to go fishing for something huge, like Malarctic, huge, you know, uh, you know, lifetime mine situation. That's the opportunity we have. We may not get it you know, so the fallback position is, hey, we've got this great ore body, we can develop that. But, you know, the next 12 to 18 months, let's go fishing for something really big.
1: Okay, and when, when you start having conversations, we've, we've had uh, the groups from Quebec Come on. Before we've had members of the Quebec provincial government, we've talked to them um, and some of the agencies, and trying to understand, you know, what what it is that they're looking for. So, when, when do companies like you start having conversations with provincial government because they've been very supportive mm-hmm. with Quebec companies? It's a, we've talked to. We've had a banker come on here and say it's it's uh, advantageous to be a Quebec company because it's it's unfair on the on the rest of Canada in a, in a way because of the support they give you guys, but how do you go and have conversations with them? When do you start having conversations with them? And what's the expectation of the type of money that they would be putting in if they came on?
0: Well, you know, it, it being situated in the province of Quebec, particularly in the District Chibougabou, which is in the plan Nor, is again, you know, as, as you said, it's almost unfair to the competition. Um, Quebec is the best mining jurisdiction in the world. I say bar none. You've got the... Uh, the pension funds are mandated mm-hmm. to invest in you all the way up to production. Some of our contemporaries have seen, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars come in from all the way from the CDEX, which is the early stage fund that does an exploration. They've yeah. been a long time uh, sh- a shareholder to the Case, you know, to Case Depot, which is the second largest pension fund in Canada who writes hundreds of millions of dollars. And these, not only they, they support you, they don't flip you for a penny. They're there to the end. Their interest is royalties, taxes, jobs, economic development for Quebec. On top of that, you have the Plan Nor, which is a fifty billion dollar infrastructure plan written by the Quebec government again for stuff like building roads, uh, infrastructure, all the things you need to develop mines. There, uh, time and time again, every mine in Quebec in the last fifteen years has had Plan Nor involved with it. The Quebec government is who am I talking to, they, you know, they is a very broad term, but are we talking to them? Absolutely, are they interested? We are on their radar, why? Because we're big, we have copper, which is a key strategic metal on their plan. Um, we're in an area, Brownsfield area, in the, in the Shibugamu district, close to the town of Chape which is a mining town, mining culture. It's an industrial town, but it's, it's I don't wanna say it's fallen at hard times, but it was 5,000 people, now it's 1,500 people. And it's probably gonna hit in that, you know continued decline until something happens. And I think the community, I was just there, as I said, mm-hmm. I think we are the thing that's happening to that community to give it uh, an opportunity to, to thrive again uh, so that their children don't go to Montreal, Quebec City. They stay you know, in the town of Chape, in the district of I mean, because there's jobs, there's opportunity. All we have to do is point to malarctic I mean, time and time again, I mean, that's a perfect example. Those guys at Cisco uh, really... Cut a trail for us and made it easier because we just say, "Hey, look, look, look! What happened over there? It's a very similar situation where it was a high-grade underground mine. It had been exhausted in the context of how they were mining it. They went, they went in there, they redefined it, bulk tonnage, just like we've done, and uh, you know, convinced the town that this is what they need. Now you drive through Malarctic, it's booming. You've got car dealerships, snowmobile dealerships, you know, insurance, like you know, all these offset businesses." That 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 live effectively off this mine, you know. We offer the same promise to the to the district of Shabugamau and or yeah, Shibugamu and the province of Quebec is, is you know wise to that. They've seen that model. They know it works. Again, mining culture, mining friendly province. Um, yeah, intru- so there are intriguing.
1: friends. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's, it's it's absolutely intriguing. Um, let's look to next year, okay? Because copper had a great year. And look at the copper price today. You know, you, you couldn't fail to be happy with that this year, but do you see more of the same coming along? And do you see junior explorers starting to take advantage of it? Because the number of junior copper companies, companies coming on here who have not seen any material, meaningful change in their fina- financials, their share price, market cap, anything that a you know, regular uh, Joe investor would measure them on. It's had no impact whatsoever. What's the disconnect? Well, there's always a, a lag between,
0: um, call it, the physical metal price and the juniors. You know, it, it, we saw that in gold when gold sort of, you know, broke out in, in what in 2019, etc. It took mm. a year, almost a year and a half for the juniors to, to to do that. I think coppers in a similar type of situation. So yeah. um, it has been broader, broadly speaking, the last 12 months has been a down market. Uh, but I think we're we're ripe for growth right now. It's it's coming back. I sort of feel it anecdotally in my gut. Mm. I think gold's coming back, um, and, and there's a huge amount of op- opportunity.
1: Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think we're, we're definitely saying with gold because uh, brokers are saying we are going to be pushing gold next year. I hear that copper not so much yet. Although people understand the supply demand gap, absolutely this whole green thematic. uh, the fact there's no big copper mines out there, no new big copper mines being discovered. And there's a a need for it, but I'm I'm not seeing anyone leaping on it. I'm not seeing any of the strategics. I'm not seeing any industry guys leaping on that yet. And they're going to need to get a move on here because if you look at the Chinese, they're, they're cracking on. They're throwing the cash around. It's a bit harder for them to do that in Canada. Well,
0: but. again, I think like the junior market, called the retail market, is, is trails groups like the Chinese or strategics. We're starting to see um, some M&A. In fact, I just think Capstone just did a deal uh, just uh, right. just today. So we're starting to see it. It takes time. There's been a delay in M&A because of COVID. Again, not to blame COVID, but people can't go out there and tick, yeah. kick the tires. So there's a huge amount of pent-up demand on the M&A in both the precious and the, and, and, and the base metal side. I think base metal is, is probably more complex because there's less of them that are really Real projects. Mm. And so, uh, you know, they're they're fewer to sort of be acquired. And that's why I think it's particularly interesting for QC Copper because we are one of those few projects. We're not this new upstart that has a couple drill holes and it's going to take five, six, seven, eight years to get, you know, anywhere near the scale we have, if they even have it. That's another question. It's hard to find Mm. these base metal projects. So, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of new upstarts. I think it all comes down to quality. Some of these guys don't have quality. Uh, how copper is going to perform going forward? Well, look, I don't read the tea leaves any better than you do. However, I, you know, I have a conviction in in where copper is going from both a supply and a demi- demand standpoint. Obviously, supply—we're not finding it like we used to, and when we do find it, it's lower grade, it's deeper, it's in riskier jurisdictions. Mm. On the demand side, uh, I think you know, look, follow the lead of the United States. Uh, infrastructure plan i'm not sure how many trillions of dollars they're actually going to spend but you know infrastructure equals copper and that's not even talking about the green you know you know wild card so this ev but it's bigger than ev it's about electrification of the entire mm. commodity it's not just teslas it's everything we are headed in that direction the big question is when So I don't think fossil fuels is going away anytime soon. So I don't think it's going to happen as quick as everybody anticipates it's going to. So there's going to be some volatility there, but there's no question about it, that copper is the uh, electrical metal you know in combination i mean you need, you need uranium to, to sort of generate it you need copper to transport it from point a to point b and you know things like nickel are, are involved in the battery so it's a key element a street strategic element everybody says so so i think the demand side of copper on just the traditional uses of it is going to be substantial because if you look at them, and I'm sure you've, you've traveled the world, you've been to Asia, look at their infrastructure. It's, it's spotless. It's world-class. You go to the United States, it's falling apart. Mm. So don't bet against the United States for too long. They are gonna, they're going to bring you know, their infrastructure up to the Asian standard. They just have to if they want to compete. So I think you know, the new China is the US. Not tomorrow, but that's the direction it's going to go in. So we're going to have that market on our doorstep.
1: Well, let's hope it does. Let's hope it does. I think there's there's much to be debated still there, but let's stay with QC Copper. Well, let's no, let's not. Let's move on. Portfolios. You've got more companies in the group. Talking of base metals, there's a new nickel company in town.
0: That's right. So we we just uh, well, it's been about two years in the work. So we're working on it behind the scenes, but it's going to be listed on the Venture Exchange. Fingers crossed this week. Fantastic. Um, and uh, we've got a name. It's called Metal Energy. It'll be traded under the symbol Merge, M-E-R-G. We've got two assets. It's, it's really, you know, it's why it's, I think it's so, well, look, it's it's interesting. Mm. Uh, I, I encourage people to sort of you know, take a look for themselves and see if they agree now. But I'll tell you just briefly what we have. It's sort of a, a QC copper 2.0 strategy. So QC copper is clearly a cop, copper play, but it mm-hmm. acquired an old Falcon Bridge mine mm-hmm. with a huge database. Good strategy. It's worked out so far, mm-hmm. and I think it will continue to work out. So we, you know, if, if it ain't broke, you know, that's, that's the, the, the mm-hmm. theory. So what we did is we went and we found a, another Falcon Bridge situation, this time in the Thompson Belt, which is a nickel camp in the middle of Cab- Canada, of Manitoba. Uh, old Falcon Bridge yeah. mine, high-grade producer. It, it produced uh, 1.3 million tons, uh, nearly 3% copper, so really high-grade stuff, not too deep. We, um, we acquired it, mm-hmm. we modeled the database just like we did with QC Copper. Uh, you go on our on our website, you'll see the model. Uh, the geology model it's large mineralized envelope it's got high grade intersections you know three you know three percent over six meters very and then within that within large um, much wider mineralized envelope so it's actually um, depending on the grade internally, we're not talking about the size and the grade publicly, but it's large. It's good grade, much higher grade than other, uh, some of our contemporaries there. But what we're going to do, uh, we've raised 7 million bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, James Sykes is going to be the CEO. He's going to be the lead of it. We've got obviously technical teams to support him at baseload as mm-hmm. well as metal energy, nickel nickel guys on, on the sort of exploration side. We're going to drill it out. We're going to confirm the 43101 resource. Uh, we're going to look for expansion. We're going to look for um, new zones. There's a parallel zone that we see in the geophysics. So it's early days, very interesting. And it's you know the Ore Group's exp- expression of uh, its interest in the nickel
1: space. Fantastic. So it's tears in the making. You're not jumping on the bandwagon. Nope. It's been in the planning for a long time. Good to see you. Pleasure. Fantastic to actually do the face to face thing. It's been far, far too long been done over a Zoom, although I'm sure there'll be a few more Zoom uh, conversations. It's, just it's easier high. that way, but it's S- better in and person. cheaper. Sure. There you go. Good to see you here in London. Um hope you have a great time here. Um drumming up a bit of interest in all of the ore group companies. And we'll see you soon. Fantastic, Matt. Thank you very much.